you have to go through the process. You can think you understand something, but until you apply it and understand it in context of you and then start applying it in context of other people, you don't really know shit. Welcome to the best hour of their day podcast with your hosts, Jason Fernandez and me, Jason Ackerman. With more than 20 years in the business, as both coaches and affiliate owners, our passion is to help create world-class affiliates and coaches by building better boxes. Welcome to the best hour of your day. All right, we are at the Koya headquarters, but we're actually here visiting Kuya. John Kuya. Kuya. Yeah. Kuya. Love. Kuya. I just say love. Okay. Or brother. Yeah. Correct. For your Depending language. upon which language, yeah. So we... we, we Strolled into Austin today to stop at Onnit to meet John Wolf, CFO, Chief Fitness Officer, not financial Ow. officer. Actually, not a bright guy, but very muscular. <laughs> very muscular. They didn't bring me here for my brain. <laughs> Those biceps, though, tell a different story. And and you came, you brought us next door, so we happen to be recording here at kind of a recovery place. Gunter will talk a little more about that. But we we came into Austin to check out Onnit. This has been pretty awesome first of all we started with some smoothie some coffee some alpha brain a little so our brains are if we sound smarter today i don't expect that of you fern but you shouldn't but for yeah. me keep the expectations but low for me if i sound a little smarter today it's it's because of the alpha brain you know we dosed you a little bit we'll see, <laughs> see, we'll see what happens you know give it another 15 minutes that should kick in yeah but you know a lot of a lot of crossfitters in general have heard of on it these days you got you know people like Joe Rogan and a lot of UFC and other athletes pushing it, putting it out there. We see the gorilla style kettlebells, the mace workouts and all, all the supplements. But man, that was probably the coolest office that I've ever been to. Oh, I was like in heaven. That was, that's awesome. How long you, so how long, how old is on it? So on it was established in 2011, but okay. uh, that's kind of like, you know, when you ideate something, right. it really didn't come to fruition until, Later, upon the launch of Alpha Brain, that's really kind of the real launch and birth of the brand itself. So you could say that, you know, the, the brand really was born of the collaborative energies of our founder and former CEO, Aubrey Marcus, and the relationship he forged with Joe Rogan. Before that, on it served a whole bunch of different purposes, like the vision kept on kind of changing. But, uh, you know, in that relationship, he asked Joe what kind of supplementation would you be really into? And he said, well, I want, I want a cognitive enhancement supplement. I want a nootropic. You know, if you design something that's really effective, then let's do something cool. And that's really overnight, all of a sudden, on it was real. I've been know? using it for a couple of years. I don't think anybody thinks I'm smarter. Don't, but you might want to edit this out because <laughs> it's not keeps working. You from rolling, from being in the negative oh, category. Yeah, so it it's keeps uh, degradation it's, from happening. Got it. Okay, so just hold a, a flat line. It's like decrepitude. It. It's preventing <laughs> decrepitude. But well, we might. We got a new version. I got to try to see what's up oh, with that. Maybe right. maybe we get you that's above your new base. That's right. what it is. Listen, Double the dose. Double the dose. But it's similar in the cross to the CrossFit world in that like it started in 2001. But if you ask the average person, they'd be like, it started in 2011. Sure. Because, you know, th that was the kind of the pinnacle of the games and all that stuff. But really, like any successful company or any successful person, for that matter, it's it's not an overnight success. It's an overnight success 20 years in the making. Yeah, definitely. It's funny because, you know, my roots, you know, what got me to on it, I was saying I was based in Salinas, California. The games, Salinas, California, Prunedale 
Aromas, mm-hmm. or where well, the so ranch was. Yeah, yeah. San Jose-ish area then, right? It's more Monterey. Monterey? Yeah. yeah. So uh, if you ever were at the Aromas Ranch, you got that big red barn on the freeway there mm-hmm. uh, on the way to San Jose. And so, yeah, it was right down the road. And it was funny because uh, even Dave's brother was running a box. Kenny. In, yeah. Yep. yeah. Kenny and uh, – oh, I can't remember his name. Now that you mention it, you do look a little bit. I was literally just like going to say Kenny. that. You have like a you look you look, oh, it's I look like Asian. Kenny? It's the, wait, oh, I'm man. not allowed to say those. Am I allowed to say Asian? Yeah. Can I get canceled? Yeah. No, I won't cancel you. Yeah. All right. All right. We have people I, that hate us, so no, no, <laughs> I'm trying to cancel me. I'm actually, all right. So just to make sure you know, like it's, I'm actually a quarter Japanese, so like, you okay. can say That's yeah. accurate. Yeah. Accurate. What's the other three quarters? You were saying Mexican and a quarter English. You can't say Mexican though, can you? It's a, it's a country, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, just kidding. I, I, I believe I can. <laughs> you know, I'm really confused about what's okay and what's Nobody not knows. okay. Put him back days. into the PR yeah. training. Yeah, yeah. listen, we got to call HR. Diversity Katie. day at yeah. best Party. hour. He skipped the happening. PR training, I think. Yeah. Uh, we know not yeah. what we do. You know what I'm saying? We, we're, you got to absolve us of some of the responsibility. It's, Things are changing so fast. It's always yeah. fun when you meet somebody to be like, this is somebody I can talk normally to. Well, and you were immediately... Yes, we are the same. We're, we're similar the height. Same height you similar know? height. <laughs> yeah, he was referring to I can see into your eyes without yeah. looking up. You got to be careful these days. But yeah, but you mentioned you know Fern and I have been to Aromas what twice, three times, three or four times. Yeah. Yeah, we judged there. We did our trainer summit there. So, w- what were you saying? What impact did that have on, on you when you had your gym in Salinas? Well, it was just really interesting, you know, to my path. Even though I really didn't come up in CrossFit. It, is in the same neighborhood of where, you know, one of the biggest movements of that time was born in Santa Cruz, Santa just Cruz. down the yeah. road, really on the other side of, you know, if you're on the tip of Monterey Peninsula, you look across the water and you see Santa Cruz if there's not a lot of fog. Right. And so, you know, not to say not to say this has reached that level of influence, but it's just really cool to kind of feel like that area much like Austin right now mm-hmm. or Boulder mm-hmm. was an area that was fertile of, of ideas that are, that were, you know, were planted and actually sprouted in any way, shape or form, you know? And so it was just when I got introduced to CrossFit through some like roommates that were like, Hey, check this out. And, you know, it was like, Oh wow. And then I saw just it blow up, you know, in, uh, in Monterey because of the military community yeah. too, there was a lot of CrossFit going on with that. This guy, Jacob, that was really big into weightlifting and had this competitive weightlifting group in the CrossFit box in Monterey or a couple of the more successful CrossFit owners in Salinas. Uh, one of them also on the education team. He moved out here to Texas, I believe, again. Um, yeah, there's some big-name boxes. I mean, when you say CrossFit Monterey, CrossFit Salinas, and for the record, the listeners, it's a different Salinas than Eric Rose's. Eric, yeah, his is in Boulder. Because yeah. his box, is the owner of CrossFit owns a box called CrossFit Salinas. Oh, wow. In Boulder, in Boulder Colorado. Yeah. So different box. But I, I remember back in the day seeing those names. And, and in 2007 when I opened, most of the boxes were on the West Coast. They were just starting to expand to that East Coast. So those names are familiar to me. Yeah, I think I, it's really sure. interesting how you're, what you were building, which was so unique, and I want to expand on that, was happening at the exact same time as CrossFit was being born in the exact same region. And these two parallel, I mean, I wouldn't try to compare CrossFit to what you guys are doing, but I think equally as impactful and important in the overall fitness spectrum because there's a lot of, I think, shared principles and ideas. And yet you you utilize completely different methods in many ways and 
it's just fascinating to understand that those both start at the same place at the same time because you brought that to on it. Yeah, you know, it's funny. You said 2001. That was really when I, I found some of the earlier opportunities to integrate some of these unconventional methods. Like kettlebell training was still really novel at the right. time. But it, kettlebell training, club swinging, some of the more esoteric uh, joint mobility practices that tie to martial arts, historical martial arts practices. All those things were things I was getting exposed to in 2001. So I guess it did actually pair up in terms of a birth, but I didn't actually start implementing and doing it professionally for quite a few years after. It was really just kind of like, well, these things are really awesome for me, but there's this this group over here that likes to do this and they're really attached to it. It's like the thing that changed their life or this group over here that's really attached to it. So whether it's a kettlebell or a club or mm-hmm. yoga or, or CrossFit, right. you know? And so then, then the attachment to saying like, well, everybody needs the thing that, that I benefited from in the way that I benefited from it, right? So then it was just realistically, as time went on, kind of just playing with that idea, exposing lots of people to those ideas for free in my garage or at the park or Mm -hmm. shit. I had a kettlebell at my desk while I was a mortgage broker or, you know, like like I was working with the autistic kids at the school we were talking talking about. about. And they're like, how are you like, carrying this big kid on your back and running all over the place. I was like, oh, I got my kettlebell in my car. You know, like I'm training between your lunch break. But but it, it's funny, even though there's that parallel timeline, that it was just like, obviously, you know, CrossFit has done some just amazing things. And, and I, I would be really, like, ignorant to not admit that there are a lot of learnings that came from from just observation, right? And so even the things that are similar, a lot of them maybe uh, were born of different perspectives. And But then once CrossFit really took off, I was like, wow, there's there's really some elements that have great synergy, even though the methods are very different. Right? Well, I think that's what the, there's a parallel between what you guys are doing and what CrossFit did. And it's probably just that same open-mindedness about fitness, which is we're not we're not worried about having you know, this specific program or anything like that. It's more about like, what's the outcome? Like, what are we looking for when we work with people? What's the impact we're trying to have? And just kind of walking through the facility. I mean, that is a huge part. I mean, if you want to talk about vibes, you guys, I just walking through there, like that's a whole new standard for me. Like vibes off the charts Similar in, that, to in that spot. South Brooklyn, David's box. We have a buddy, David Osorio. And, and I'd say this is the first place that I've been to that has that same, like there's an actual vibe right. when you walk in. Yeah, which is which is needs to be. Where, where does that come from? What's the, the genesis of that? Because I mean, like, it's like you walk in there and like it's palpable. This, yeah, this place is cool. You know, it's 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 kind of a, it's hard to pinpoint, right? Because a lot of what is on it really came just from like the brainchild of Aubrey and, and the fact that what he did is collect things like that same journey we were just talking about the things that he really just enjoyed and found inspiration in and then kind of shoehorned that shoehorned all of those things into something that was on it right and it became kind of like hard to encapsulate in a lot of ways so it almost created this like you have to experience it to even understand it very similar to CrossFit. Might, but you might still have a hard time articulating. Right. It, like right? Coach Glassman Listen, used we, to say. We work for CrossFit, right. and people ask me that. I'm like, I don't, I don't have time for this conversation. <laughs> the, the, the classic Glassman quote is like, you want to know what CrossFit is? Meet me at 6 a.m. Yeah. yeah. And it's the same. But before we get any further, 
Where does the name on it come from? So on it, you know, originally it was a, uh, you know, hanging around with, so Aubrey hanging around with one of his close friends, Bodie Miller, right? A very high level athlete. They used to like to party a lot, and Bodie has a reputation for that too, right? But also compete at a very high level. And so Aubrey's a very athletic guy, loves basketball, hanging out with Bodie, one of the best athletes at what he does in the world. And, you know, they're hanging out and they're having a drink. Like, man, you should have really seen me on the slopes today. I was on, on it. it, right? Nice. Uh, you know, on the courts, I'm on it. And so, like, Wait, what, let's what set does up that a game, mean? by the way, Aubrey versus Fern. Is Aubrey in today? No, no I don't. I didn't see him, man. He's, he just got back from Sedona, running a big uh, mastermind group out you, there. So I don't even know if he's back. Cause some of the team came back. He, you know, he, he's probably still. You saw Fern's. Uh, what did they call? Levitate. Air balls. Did you see that earlier? <laughs> plural. Nate, yeah, insert yeah, plural. Uh, B roll here. Yeah. <laughs> and then you saw my three. <laughs> I think was it a three? It was an accident. Yeah. It was a deep two. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, uh, they're like 20s. I mean, they're 10s, though. You know, uh, um, I, I mean, I don't know if there's a three-point line uh, in there, but uh, uh, adjusting for height. Adjust, yeah. yeah. Take, it's like a wall ball. It's like a wall That's ball. Fair. You take right. a height fair. into account. That's fair. So, yeah. so, you, so you're in Salinas. You start your gym, right? Uh -huh. So you, you learn these different methods. You start seeing how this all comes together. What was the journey in you building that gym and what you guys did there? I thought was very unique. Yeah, you know, it was just trial and error. You know, the things that I found value in and what I, I dove deeper down the rabbit hole to better understand, you know, I just had the reps in. So uh, we built a, a facility that realistically looked more like a jiu-jitsu facility with some uh, you know, horse stall mats around the, the jiu-jitsu floor because we did so much ground-based movement. We had such an emphasis on, on you know, multi-planar movement. And then the loading parameters were generally sub-maximal. So the heaviest thing I had in the, in the whole gym was a 70-pound kettlebell, right, <clears throat> uh, for a long time. And so it was very different in the sense that, like, you know, intensity measured by progressive overload, measurable objectively by what's on the bar, relative to your one RM versus, mm -hmm. you know, more of an RPE, like, you know, right. understanding and then, then putting other parameters that kind of, you know, give you a check and balance on your rate of perceived exertion. Well, how, how pretty is it? You know, like, you, you know, I think that's a big part of the original intention with Glassman is, mm -hmm. is to, to do that with a, a level of excellence, but then that has to compete with your drive to do more, harder, faster, right? And so it just gave us an opportunity where people weren't always looking for the next level of weight up, but how they could express mastery or strength or skill with that tool, maybe in different ways, right? So there are different ways to scale or progress uh, those individuals with that environment because we're working within those constraints. And it became really, really fun, creative space to kind of solve for those problems. We did work with a lot of people that had chronically been injured. So, uh, that had been kind of my claim to fame out there. I did all these weird things, but in a way where people who would either define themselves or have been defined by even the modern medical industry is broken and can't do anything outside of rehab, right? It was, it was about bridging those people from rehab to performance. And then I feel like those reps really, and working with solving those problems, those unique problems of serving each of those individuals really became a wonderful platform to, 
bring that into something as big as on it and and do it in a way that was accessible to everybody who chooses to be on it because on it isn't uh it can feel exclusive but it's really just like hey you just self-select just like crossfit it should yeah. be accessible for everybody if the box allows for that yeah. and you know it's you self-select to move one step closer to your greatness and if that's the case then you're in the right place you know is that when you started kind of toying with maces and clubs like how long have you been because like is it fair to say that those are kind of we'll call them essentially mainstream largely due to your exposing people to those tools to some degree yeah on, i on, would not have heard of them if not for on it that's that's what i'm saying same yeah yeah you know so i had mm. been doing club swinging and kettlebells back in 2001 i'd gotten in, entrenched in a community that really kind of brought just like pavel brought kettlebells to modern american right. training they were here before and club swinging was there before but there was a rebirth in this more you know like heavy club swinging kind of community which was very small but i'd been entrenched in that and then upon leaving that organization and kind of finding myself on an island it was like oh well at least i have all these amazing other coaches and educators thought leaders and i started just bringing them into the facility mainly to get the coaches and the community exposed to more perspectives and that that provided me i think a framework to to support like our perspectives needed to continue evolving every time something game changing came through the door and just became this expansive uh, perspective on seeing like, well, that's really great information. How come I see its application over here. How come nobody over here is using right. this either cue or variation? And it's like, well, instead of focusing on what's different from a marketing standpoint, like if you ever wants to sell like why I'm different, you know, it's like, well, I, I really feel like, it doesn't mean it's going to be the best marketing solution, but I really love focusing on the through line of consistency, the things that we can all agree on and use that as a platform to build trust. And then, then I get to go, like you said, you know, meet me at six Let's. You have no idea what it's like to swing a club or a mace, but we agree in principle. So let's go ahead and see what that can feel like and mm -hmm. where it might fit into, you know, best serve you or you, you know? And, and so I th for us, that's our path. You know, and uh, it's been really fun. What do you think is the biggest reason that clubs have not become mainstream, at least in the CrossFit world? And I'll give you my opinion is uh -huh. CrossFit has become so good at measurable, observable, and repeatable that at least for our knowledge, and perhaps there is a way, it's kind of like, you know, even the kettlebell swing became an American swing. Yeah. So we can track a full range of motion where you go to the you know, RKC back in the day, it's all Russian swings. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so with maces, with clubs, is there a way to, to track, you know, work or force distance time? And is that why it's kind of blocked from making it into the CrossFit world? There definitely is. And there have been some type of, uh, competitions that are inspired by like kettlebell sport, which mm -hmm. if anybody ever wants to feel like how brutal anything can be, that doesn't really look that bad. Go spend 10, minute, 10 minutes yeah. on a platform minute, with two 70-pound kettlebells on your on your chest. Have you done it? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think a lot of us, we crave a certain level of variability, and not just from a like, shiny thing, but also neurologically. <clears throat> so it just doesn't speak to me. But I have a profound amount of respect for people that, that endure it or choose to. It's kind of like people like that want to run a century. Right. Like I, have I ridden? Hell no. 
I have zero interest. But you in can doing appreciate it. it. But I can appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I've seen what those people's feet look like after after yeah, they No toenails. They look yeah. like Fern's feet. Yeah, yeah Goggins posts pictures of it all the time, <laughs> yeah. man. You gotta um, harden. You gotta harden up. Lose my right? appetite. Yeah. So, because I because I do believe if if you walked into a CrossFit affiliate these days and they had a wall like yours in there with maces and clubs and some of the other awesome equipment, that's a tremendous advantage over the box down the road an opportunity to do some one-on-one or smaller group training where you can charge more but also an opportunity kind of like the ghd like fern and and i tell people like you don't need a ghd at your box and if you do maybe one or two for warm-up cool down accessory work you can apply the same principles to to this equipment yeah you know i think we were talking about the deliverable in the gym and so and, and the way we teach and the way it may be received visually in, in the social strata, uh, Instagram, the very visual, you know, engagement based medium is very different. So you might see people doing these like crazy flows or sophisticated mm-hmm. movement, but the, the way we teach is extremely conservative. Like, you know, we look at really like not telling you what to think, just kind of a framework of validating your process, like static fluid dynamic, all the skills are moved like from position you know, like if, if you look like Exos uses the words position, pattern, power. Mm-hmm. So like, like, do you own the, the ranges you need to execute the skill? Can you coordinate that? Do you, you have like motor control through that full range of motion? If not, let's expand that over time, build that capacity. And then we can integrate those pieces into bigger holes, right? And so yeah, that's a very, you know, not necessarily sexy process when you get it, but it's really sexy to watch people do these weird things with objects that, you know, we've seen medieval warriors use, right? In the Iron Devil. Sheik. You remember the Iron Sheik? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you used to have those clubs back in the day. The big wooden meals. Yeah. yeah. But but the reality is I think it is tough for people to understand what they're seeing or why it would benefit them until they experience it. Would it be fair, because I don't know much about them, so I'm, I'm fairly ignorant on both clubs and maces, but from from the, the minimal amount of uh, experience I have there, it seems like would a durability tool be like a fair assessment of what those are? Like it's obviously you're going to build some strength there, but like building durability so that I can do other things. Cause I'm trying selfishly, I'm trying to figure out like if I was going to implement this in a CrossFit class, it would be somewhere in the warm up aspect yeah. of that. It, it could cool be down, right? warm up or even a conditioning element right. with the skill focus. So like you said, if we don't have these type of objective qualitative, like uh, objective measurement tools, it, it really does need to bridge this gap of like, okay, well, is everything objective? Mm-hmm. As a human being, does it matter if you added five pounds to your deadlift or does it matter how you feel after you added five pounds right. to your deadlift? And so that, uh, there's this, this externalization of you know, the need to validate our performance with a wearable, with a, with a leaderboard. And that's, I think, great when it drives us into you know, reaching further of our, you know, our own potential, you know, that check and balance. Right. But then there, there's definitely this other realm that shouldn't be sacrificed. That is largely subjective, largely about expanding awareness. So like if we were to use these levered tools, what are the advantages? I can give you a whole bunch of them, but realistically, I think, yeah, for enhanced durability, what are we doing? We're loading the joints and the tissues through different ranges of motion. There's extensibility of those tissues under load, right? So there's the need to coordinate the eccentric component of that to absorb forces in a variety of different lines of force, you know? And then uh, not only that, when we're swinging things, we're introducing something that isn't as common, which is tractional forces. So you have compressive load and tractional forces, both of which uh, input force, 
you know, into the cells, they're the forces, the communicate the the language of cells to adapt but if everything's compressive like how many of us benefit from more tractional modalities whether it's a stretch therapy or something like that like even decompress the joint get better you know better signaling into the joint just like why we don't don't want to wear shoes all the time right right? better signaling for the mechanoreceptors but everything just like if your, your spine is compressed are you getting good information right so we're just enhancing the body's ability to be aware sensitive to varied inputs, does that enhance durability? Does it enhance and bridge the gap between this amazing work capacity I developed and the chaotic world of living as a parent? Oftentimes, right. yeah. <laughs> you know, um, because I got to twist both ways and grab both of my insane children. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's, I think it's cool. Like the the where this were because this does this would add a layer of variance, which is one of the core components of CrossFit, and it would allow us to blend a little bit more. This is going to sound a little bit weird, but kind of objectively blend in more qualitative movement rather than the quantitative, which is where CrossFit has kind of made its name, which is like quant. Hey, we can quantify this, but like, and again, I think it's a balance, right? Technique and intensity, we want both, but, and I think we should, as trainers, you know, how much you would use it in a class setting, I think you could find a sweet spot there, but you could add that qualitative where it would add value, tremendous value to the quantitative aspect of CrossFit, which is now what I'm very intrigued about. And you mentioned hearing Fern talk about that on a recent episode where it's like people come into the box and immediately want intensity mm-hmm. to a fault, and it's our fault as coaches. Correct. Because these people don't know what intensity is when they're walking in the door. But then all of a sudden they come to class, and from day one of onboarding, we're like, hey, we're going to keep score. Mm-hmm. you got to beat this guy. you got to beat your, your former time, et cetera. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, today's not going to be about intensity. Today's going to be about form. We're not going to start the clock. We're just going to move well. And I think – that would go a long way to, to keep your members safe, injury-free, and also, you know, neurologically mm-hmm. not zap them. When I had active, that was one of the best, th- single best things that we implemented. We were really big on everything being measurable and quantitative. But when we started adding in days where we said there's no measurement, this is about how good you feel and look in your movement, like how, how fluid is this movement? How, how well are you moving through this pattern? And we would say, we would give them some sort of standard. You need to be able to you know, hold this conversation or you know, um, you're able to fluidly continue moving your body weight constantly. That it created, a, for one, it took a lot of the pressure off the system and it crea- it filled in a lot of the gaps that I found I was blind to before we started doing this that really actually helped with injury prevention. It helped with taking some of the stress out of it. Like some clients would come in and when we said like, oh, today is not going to, oh, phew, like I, I'm so glad we're not measuring today. And it's like, oh, right. this is something people actually were really craving and hadn't vocalized. And for us as coaches to shift gears from that, like every day was this measurable thing to today is just going to be about feeling good and moving well, um, was extremely powerful and something that actually created, like I said, got us a lot of really positive feedback from our community, which we thought, cause we were a traditional CrossFit gym that this was not going to be received. Well, we're thinking about like, how are we going to position this and explain like today is not going to be, and everyone was like, oh, this is wonderful. Thank, and thank God you're not, you're no <laughs> clock. Does it, you throw on some Dave Matthews, light some candles, burn some incense. <laughs> incense. That's right. We started <laughs> a little you know, ketamine, connecting with maybe the earth. We got yeah. it going. Take your shoes off. All of a no that's club swinging you, ketamine. Okay. That's how you <laughs> yeah, get uh, retention right there. Like they're addicted to <laughs> what you, you're doing. <laughs> Everybody hug somebody. No high fives today. <laughs> no. You know, I think 
it, it is important to, you know, we talked about this pendulum swing, right? And we're not saying to sacrifice the things that are valuable in what we've already subscribed to, right? We're just saying that there's probably something synergistic and complementary and even can amplify the effect of this because a lot of times when you're bumping up against the the adaptive threshold of that individual neurologically, mechanically, a lot of times the limiting factors are have nothing to do with muscle, nothing to do with bone, even not even has to do with neurologically. It might be like at the joint and soft tissue level, like tendon, ligament, and joints. How much of the time and energy are we using to allocate specific training that's low threshold and it targets those tissues that's really low cost and high return, knowing that at some point in time, can anybody at this table or you speak to any athlete that didn't find that that was one of the preemptive and recurring limitations of their mm-hmm. upper upper level of performance? Mm-hmm. So even if you have all these other things down, why don't we talk about increasing the durability of the specific tissues that are limiting us most frequently? You can contextualize that within your community or your community or yours, or we could look at it from a society basis of like what are the what is the lifestyle, knowledge working, sitting, all the upper cross, lower cross stuff, and, and how could we use things that would get like clinical therapeutic benefit but have the sensation of training so it fills in that gap without necessarily detracting and potentially giving us better positions to access because strength is so positionally dependent. And if we're reinforcing bad position under load, no wonder we have a lot of these issues. And you could still add a, a quant flavor to this which is you would have you would have tests you know oh, yeah. stability tests overhead like you know being able to carry you know all these kind of what would mostly be seen in kind of the strongman world mm-hmm. but you don't have to do those at high load you can you can do how long can you keep a 50 pound dumbbell over yeah over in the overhead position can you can you go up down you know all these things even and I, rpe <laughs> can be a test like how'd that right. feel you did a five minute flow or last time you said you felt great with a seven i don't know the weights but a seven yeah. pound club today you used an eight pound club and i think what i'm hearing you say I don't need to go off on a rant today, but do it. No, I don't want to do it. We're in a peaceful place. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want don't this mess trip. Up the vibe I don't want Kuya, this trip dude. to go yeah. downhill. Yeah. We're gonna get thrown out. But um, I've been really agitated with people disagreeing with us about our name, best hour of their day, uh-huh. and a lot of what you're saying is what we preach. It's like all this stuff that happens in the box is the best hour of their day because it allows the other 23 to be great. But we're overlooking a lot of this stuff. And if you can implement this stuff now on top of, look, you feel great when you work out, period, right? Clock on or not, just moving, going for a 30-minute walk may be the best hour. point is exercise makes us feel great. But now if this exercise can enhance the outside of the gym feeling as well. And this is one of the ways we can do it. And we're not talking change the CrossFit methodology, by the no. way. We're yeah. saying, like, if I were truly going to implement this at Rife or Best Hour CrossFit, <laughs> hey, honey, we're both bringing some maces, which I'm going to do. Um, it'd be like, hey, Thursdays. There's, you know, right, Thursdays in the CrossFit world is typically, like, a rest day or a, or an active recovery day. Start there. Or this would be, you know, if, if we were going to try to blend a couple different ideas, take the good old fashioned one workout a day from CrossFit, which I think most people is all they need. And then if I do want to, if people do want a little bit more in air quotes, this is where I think you could add some clubs and maces and, and give them a little bit more of that durability that will aid. And then more importantly, if we're going to call ourselves and our clients athletes, we should train like that, like athletes. If anybody who's ever played a sport, you don't 
scrimmage every single day. You yeah, don't you roll don't on the mat and spar every, every single day. Like there's days when there's walkthroughs or, you know, like we're just going over technique. Mental the, <coughs> visualization, yeah. right? We're not right. doing that. Well, and if we're, if we're arguing the point of best hour of their day and our job as a coach or as a gym owner is to provide that, isn't it our responsibility to make sure it's as comprehensive as possible? And that, sure, you may have a core methodology, say CrossFit, as like, hey, this is the backbone of what we do. However, my job is to help make you healthier, happier, and fitter. And so therefore, this may be the core of what I'm doing. However, I also use these other tools in here to help enhance endurability, to help give the, your, your nervous system a break and or rebuild tissue and joint strength and all of that to help make sure that you continue to get the best out of your day rather than, in many cases, where you really just go go in, get chewed up, spit out, and you walk out feeling like crap, where, you know, one of the big breakthroughs I had over the last few years was not, it. workouts didn't mean beat down anymore. Yeah, right. And for a long time, that's what it meant to me, was like, I, it was a goal, how thrashed can I get? How much can I handle? And that's really what resulted in a, a whole series you're of injuries. Still injured now. I'm still recovering from a lot of that stuff. And it was through those recoveries that I really discovered and was shown this whole idea of this is about feeling good right <coughs> working out working in like these concepts and a lot of that started with you john back in 2017 2018 when you started introducing us at uh, barbell business and barbell shrugged into a lot of these concepts i mean mike really took it and ran with it oh, it yeah, became his in. yeah, yeah he, it be, really became his main thing for after that. I don't know if you're familiar with our other podcast, Dudes Talking Dads. <laughs> Have you heard of that? <laughs> no? Um, but, I mean, we're all in our 40s based on your hair color. Yeah. I assume yeah. you're in the 40s and like you're saying, Marcus, at this day and age, it's like, I want to use fitness to feel better. Right? Like, I'm constantly, even my parents longevity. just yeah. visited and at 43, they were impressed of what I was doing with my daughter, like going down to the ground, picking exactly. her up, throwing her around. You know, yes, do I want to still be fit in the CrossFit idea of fitness, work capacity, cross broad time, modal domains? Of course. But I also think this will lend itself to fitness. Well, in this arena, not at the sacrifice of the other 23 hours, right? right? And so how yes. can the best hour of my day not be limited to that time? So a couple of things that, you know, to unpack, you, know, you guys all hit on this, the same thing. Like, well, if the assignment's the same, and the assignment and target rep count is the same. Is there a way to measure subjectively either a reduced perceived rate of exertion? Like, oh, I was able to keep my breath or, you know, I could right. have had a conversation mm -hmm. or I, I did only do tonight. nasal bleeding. Like you can breathing. use other metrics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or, or was I able to hold the technique through the whole time, like rather than breaking down? So we'll introduce like the concept of a, a you know, you might have a, a one rep max, or you might know a three rep max, or what I would say is like, I want to know what your technical max is. I want to know with this objective, like measurable thing, I could get a dowel or whatever right. the case is, <clears throat> level of integration. I want to know your range of motion just with, with this, uh, within this constraint. And then I want to know how much load you can exert and maintain these points of performance, not sacrifice them, but that's going to be what I value more as a coach is the, some type of measurable, assignable, as you said, like why American Swing, so you could see if the rep finished, mm -hmm. right? Well, I want to look at these from a longevity or, you know, mechanical efficiency standpoint saying like, okay, well, I know you can do more, but let's also see how close to that threshold 
you can hold this technique or this alignment, this shape, right? Do you guys play around with, with measurables? Like, are you looking at heart rate or... You have the my zone over yeah, you have there. Yeah, my zone, or are you looking at respiratory rate? Because we've tried to play around with that. The, the only thing that makes it challenging is everybody would have to be wearing a wearable, which can be a little bit hard you, to do. You could, I mean, if you wanted to integrate it, I've seen boxes have like the 20 you can. on the wall sure. and you, you can, it but it, on, but right? it is a barrier, right? If I was going to, if I was going to integrate that into my training, it for it to be effective across a uh, gen pop, like it, you would need to have everybody. But is that something you guys have played around with? We do. And we use it not necessarily to drive how that system rewards people. Cause then we're going back to like our, our guilt as coaches. We're going to, we're going to receive what we incentivize as a response, well, right? That is orange theory. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the whole model. Well, if you incentivize well, me to stay under 60%, I'll be like, sweet. I can, <laughs> let me go. That. You know, yeah, that's yeah. fine. You want to see day, some moderate baby. intensity. I'm your yeah. guy. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but as, you know, joking aside, there's value there. There is. And, and, uh, and in the CrossFit world, there's this black box theory of like, we don't care what's happening inside this black box. If the input is creating this Good great outputs. output, yeah. right? And I think, you know, you kind of said like, I want to see virtuous a virtuous snatch like what weight is that for you but i would also say if you get a member's snatch from 135 to 145 by implementing clubs and maces because now we have better stability or simply yeah. because they chilled out two days a week mm -hmm. i mean that's fitness and and, and too many people we've talked about like do you actually want to be fitter or are you just using training as a method mm -hmm. to escape the world Thank you for sharing that because when it gets back to like this this holistic whole person, we talked to Gunter about what they I mean, have going on here. We're in this place right now. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm high right now. <laughs> <laughs> Just on the vibe, right? right? You thought uh, we thought you thought we had a you good vibe there. Me. You dosed on. me with something. I, I mean, think. did you? You know, because I like fern right now. This is unusual. <laughs> this is unusual. Um, Those weren't just mints. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But but my background and you know, like, I think as we're talking about these things, why I'm not willing to sacrifice what my beliefs are largely come from why I found fitness. And I think a lot of people find fitness to displace negative behaviors and patterns, but I was a meth addict that was 130 pounds. And I thought to myself when I figured out like, okay, I was doing this to out of apathy because I lost a bunch of really close loved ones. And my last one, I sat with my uncle on a couch overnight uh, talking about his suicide efforts previously and the fact that he acknowledged he's going to do it. And I remember getting the call at work one day and I just knew that's what it was. After that, I just didn't care about anything, right? Much less myself. And so it took a period of time, like two years. Guys, we don't learn very fast sometimes, right? Not at uh, all. Of just damaging myself to get to a point where I saw friends like break down and be like, where is my friend? Or I hadn't seen my mom for a year because I didn't want her to see me in that state. And be able to say like, okay, I need to fix this because I came to the realization I'm I'm just killing myself slowly. I'm doing exactly what I'm so upset my uncle did. But I justify it saying like it doesn't matter, even though I know how negatively impactful it was to experience what he did. And so fast forward, yeah, fitness was this displacement tool of my addictions. And it was driven by the want to excel and push and stretch those boundaries at whatever cost because it quieted you know, we're talking about tinnitus and whatever. It quieted the noise in my mind, in my heart, and it allowed me to measure progress in meaningful ways. And I just realized at some point in time, I was getting, getting injured, doing things that didn't really matter. The outcomes didn't matter except for what I, I assigned the value to them. And then I would injure myself, and it just negatively impacted everything, right? 
because I was so attached to getting an outcome right now or an outcome that somebody else did, whatever the case was. So for me, I had to realize, okay, I had to change the contract of why it was worth doing these things and say, like, okay, well, I can't do these things to hide from something bad. I got to do these things to enhance my life to out of an act of love of self of love of being prepared to be of greater service. And so as a coach, those are the themes that I'm, I'm implanting into the, to the deliverable. So if I'm coaching somebody and this is going to get a little woo, right? Do it. But let's get, we, we have the opportunity. The reason why we have so many like these big joint circles, there's awesome ways to assess how the joint function, but how you move or how you don't move. So it's really good input for me as a coach to assess where you are. How you breathe is in response to any type of stressor. Like I can start seeing like, okay, where are you at today versus yesterday? That's awesome. But then as we go through and we get like more varied input. So why is it varied? Because it's stimulating neurologically is fulfilling. Our nervous system craves variety, but how much is good and how much is too much, right? Because if we don't get a good dose response of similar stimulus, we're not going to adapt in any meaningful way to something planned or progressive, right? So then we we're like, okay, what does that do? It creates a state of hyper receptivity of great neuroplasticity where the brain's really ready to take in a different perception, not only of the movement, but of themselves. So like if you're, if, if everything's like go harder, go harder, go harder, and they're in this highly receptive state, then what does that hour do in every area of life outside of the gym, right? It's like, Oh, I'm bumping up against resistance. Just go harder. Just go harder. And I'm like, well, I don't know. When I'm at home and I'm bumping up against resistance, leaning in, it hasn't really netted me a good result. You yeah. Know? This uh, is the conversation I have with every new client that comes in our box, which is trying to make this this idea of intensity a little bit more tangible. And she's like, listen, you know, if we're going to talk high, the basic premise would be if there's a high, there's a medium, there's a low, mm-hmm. which would which makes 70% or higher high. Just like Seven, your whoop, 70% right. or above is green. Right, yeah, and well. 70% is reasonable, or if you say 100% max effort, we all know that's not sustainable, right? Yeah. But everything in there is good, and going back to what you're talking about is like using, and I like to describe whatever you're doing in fitness, whether it's you know CrossFit or Orange Theory or, or Zumba, I don't care. It should be a lever that I use to leverage other things outside the gym. It shouldn't be something that puts me down, and that's what I tell the new clients is like every day you leave here for the first two months probably I want you to leave saying to yourself I think I could have done a little bit more yeah not I'm not going to be able to walk today or if I'm, I'm gonna have to use my hands to get off a shitter well, and looking forward to the opportunity to prove that the next day yeah live but, the train another day but you also know what your your dose response was from that day if it was a step up from before but you know you still have another step to exactly go, you don't have to get there today and yeah, you don't always have to go off of the cliff you can just walk right up to it and well, then step back and then you know. i would rather be the roadrunner than the coyote <laughs> exactly. in that situation you know right it's, it's funny because in the crossfit world we talk about wearables and we're wearing whoops and there when it is a, when a crossfit <laughs> nice, <laughs> tag nice. team tag team back again um when a CrossFitter's recovery is green, it means it's 70%. And I would argue very few CrossFitters ever get above 90 to 100%. But when they're above 70, they're like, success. I recovered well. Well, why don't they feel that way inside the box? Like, they need 100% intensity in the box, but they're proud of 70% recovery outside the box. And a lot of what we're talking, you know, I don't want people to hear this and be like, wait, it sounds like a lot of what you're talking about is outside. We're, we're saying the foundation starts inside the box, and... As 40-year-old men, age is undefeated. And I, oh, think, yeah. I think part of what we're all saying is we've been through it. 
like we, we you know whether it was regional athletes or whether it was you know o- overcoming addiction like our bodies have been through the ringer and now we're coming out the other side saying we still want to be fit we still want to be healthy we still enjoy training hard but there's more to it and yeah. i think we need to get younger people to understand that earlier like yeah at 20 years old you can do this to your body there's very you know very few people are going to do it like Justin Medeiros and Tia Claire and make it they're going to be beat up in 10 years do we agree on that Fern I I mean I just I mean, like any, friend, any professional any athlete I mean yeah, I mean right. you worked with a lot of professional athletes how many of them have gone to the top of their sport and come out unscathed None. Exactly. And, and That's for, not the thing. It's for, not a thing. Yeah, it's not for a, a thing. few million dollars a year, maybe it's worth it. I mean, our buddy Austin Maliolo, he has a broken wrist. He hurts every day, and he's now training one workout a day, right? So, and he and he never made it to the pinnacle. I mean, he was on. I mean, we'll call the games yeah, the pinnacle. You made it to the league. Getting there is the pinnacle. Yeah, already. Okay, fine, you win fine, it or not, it's another story. He came in sixth place, but pinnacle financially is what I, you know. He he never peaked there because it was a little premature. So if you can understand at 20 years old, I need to be doing this when I'm 30. I mean, of course, it's like it's tough yeah. to get buy-in, right? Yeah. But I think that's the responsibility of CrossFit as 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 an institution that's reached so many people. It's trying to evolve, and it's tough because we've doubled down on one part of it, and not necessarily seen part of the original vision was was is there still. But excellence means different thing when it's as long as you meet uh, an escalation on yeah, this. Yeah, it's, right? it's a weird dichotomy, which is the, arguably you could say that like the quantification of fitness is what put CrossFit on the map. This whole thing where like we're going to make exercise a sport and it has tremendous value. Like, I mean, that is the microphone that is the microphone of fitness that has brought weightlifting to the masses that's bringing things like clubs and maces, you know, by finding it as a, you know, a tangent, you know, tangential type of training, you know, directly adjacent to that. And I think that just really enforcing, you know, I would just blatantly say like people don't pay attention in the technique versus intensity lecture that we give. It's just like, listen, it's not all intensity. It's a blend of both. In yes. addition, as we typically wrap up, like you need technique to maximize intensity. Yeah. You can't, you can't reach the pinnacle of your sport, whatever it would be basketball, jujitsu, uh, race car driving, whatever without the best the winners have the best technique the end for that specific for that thing. specific thing yeah. exactly yeah. you know and obviously there's more modalities in crossfit but uh which makes it more challenging which makes the road to get there like pretty long in order to master you know so many different like an things. mma athlete right like yeah he's yeah. gotten so you stand up ground game jujitsu yeah, yeah great great point there it's like lately there's this kick of mma athletes to box mm-hmm. and they're getting their ass kicked Right, because even that, like you'd think, well, they they can box. I mean, Ben Askren lost to a YouTuber, and Ben Askren's an Olympic wrestler, former M- MMA champion. Have you never heard like you box a wrestler and wrestle a boxer? Yeah, he was not in the right <laughs> category it, for, yeah. for him. The point know? is, I think if you if you're you know, for the listeners, it's like CrossFit is equal in modalities to MMA, kind of right. It's yeah. like MMA you need all these. Yet in CrossFit, we try to ratchet up intensity, and then you're good at nothing. You know, your skill is the container that holds your tech, you know, like that should hold the intensity. So, like, the same thing if if an MMA athlete's come, come in, into the gym, I want to give him greater access to the skills he already has so that he can apply them in greater volume or intensity right. in his skill training. You know, and with CrossFit, that's where it gets a little blurry because the sport and the, and the process of conditioning the sport are the – 
vision for the consumer is it's this one in the same, right? right? They're very different. It's like totally. using going back to using CrossFit as a lever, particularly for things like sports specific athletes. And I was like, hey, there's not there's not necessarily things that I'm gonna avoid completely, but I'm definitely going to look at them very closely, like uh, a pitcher, baseball. For I was instance. about to say a throwing athlete, a throwing athlete of any type. Actually, you're right. So I I don't know how much ring work we're going to be doing with an athlete that's not my job is to make them a good gymnast my do- my job is to make them a better thrower yeah and it's just something to look at and if we use that concept and then just roll it over or pancake it and say well i could use that same concept of like just being having a little bit more awareness with training and then maybe modulating the intensity of the training and adding in other things that would create durability so that we can have you know work capacity to cross broad time and modal domains throughout our life like we ch- like we ch- teach mm-hmm. well now we can start to get there and we have more tools at our disposal so that we can create and continue to create not just fit people at you know 50 or 60 but like really durable fit people at and, 60 and to kind of go back and please correct me if i'm wrong it's it's been a minute since i was at the l1 lecture but you know isn't the whole point of crossfit to create healthy people like a, a physically healthy and capable person in life and so that you can apply this to whatever your life is. Yeah, that, and that that's definition not about is a definition of health. CrossFit. You're right. It's about being good and prepared for life, right. whatever that means for you. And our job as the coach and as the gym owner is to facilitate that. It's not to say, no, I'm going to do, you're gonna, you now have to meet these parameters. This is what it means to do that. And I think that's been largely misunderstood or forgotten or ignored in our space where it's like, well, you just need to get good at CrossFit. It's like, no, no, no being good at CrossFit means you're you're using it as an as a tool to be good at life. I and, love that. And that's really the whole point. And I think that a lot of people get lost in the this dogma of like no it needs to be just this. It's like no, my your job is health and longevity and and capacity in life. And we're just using this framework to accomplish that, which it does in I mean almost every way, but if for you it means this or less of that and or less intensity because of what you do outside of mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. then it's my job to help make sure that that's what happens. And again, bringing in other methods, tools, some people bring in breathing exercises mm-hmm. and uh, maces and completely different swim modalities mm-hmm. in because maybe that's a, an emphasis for you or a background for you. I, I don't think that takes away from it at all. I think it adds no. to I, it. I think that's the whole point. Well, is it's that different it's our, this is our center, and then our job is to fill in around it with whatever helps keep people becoming successful. Well, all of these things go back into the CrossFit lecture, and we talk about like what variance is, and variance is expanding the margins of our experience. Like It's like, oh, cool, I'm great with a barbell. Yeah. Well, how are you with a mace? How are you with a kettlebell? How are you, you know, like I, I don't think people give kettlebells enough credit. Those are incredibly valuable well, tools, like particularly if you dive in and really kind of nerd out on them for like a little John bit. Like John said, 70 was his heaviest kettlebell, and it's like if you uh, utilize people were that fit. right properly, yeah. a 70-pound kettlebell, like you were talking about traction and all this stuff, it's like equivalent to 150, 200 pounds if you're doing it right. Well, it just depends on, like if you're just reinforcing the same move pattern you would do with a barbell, maybe you feel it's like it's not enough, but there's that isn't why are we limiting our perspective to that and you know like what you said marcus is like and what we it's the recurring theme of this conversation i've been trying to preemptively study and listen to you guys and i just hear it all the time right like um we uh 
as a broader fitness community saw one aspect of CrossFit and hyper validated that it is the that is the secret sauce that made it really reach all the people, but it isn't the whole thing. So mm-hmm. you you can't look at something that's this big focus on this. Like it's like. Do you love the whole person, or you just like the parts that you you want to preferentially see? Well, typically I broke up with those with those girlfriends. (laughs) I love all of the body parts that get you so far, (laughs) head to toe. But the thing about it is also when you talk about different modalities and like, you know, not everybody needs to swing clubs and maces. But the reality of it is, is I think it is hugely beneficial. It's hugely synergistic. Potentially, directly, we can introduce clubs with the intention of of helping something we recognize as a fault in something they value, but removing them from what they're attached to, mm-hmm. to work on the thing that's limiting them, the piece, plugging that new piece back into the hole, and then seeing if there's a, a change, a test retest. And I think that's a huge benefit to getting people out of the venue that they're really attached to their performance in. And I think that's really a big part of it. So when we talk about like this one hour being beneficial on the other 23 i look at it very much that same way like how many of the life skills that are really things that we need on an everyday basis were taught in school very few of very them. few i've dissected a leaf yeah and so i feel like <laughs> i feel like enough and a pig fetus at once yeah, pig, yeah, yeah. fetal pig and, there was a cat and, and frog i remember that too but i feel like we have the opportunity and the obligation especially if we have this influence and this platform like you guys on the CrossFit platform me with this brand on it and we have permissibility to say like okay this is like the classroom where we use fitness as a way to introduce concepts and learnings and methods not necessarily just methods of exercise but methods of like changes in perspective giving you different ways to problem solve creative creatively a movement problem that you can't just overcome with effort. Right. That you can't just overcome by trying harder. You can't just grit through. We have to introduce more varied problems so that the the solutions that they have access to outside of the gym are just as varied. Because if you, all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Everything looks like and, a nail. And like, if 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 we're emulating that, that's the solution to everything. And this is their new classroom where they're taking theoretically this is a framework to support their life outside, then we're, we're just reinforcing that one, one approach to all things. Right. So I I love being able to, you know, create some environmental constraints where they're not rewarded with only using that one strategy. You know, they're actually, they're penalized in a lot of ways. Like you could do 60, 60 percent heart rate all day, baby. Uh, Let me see you do it. You know, there right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I have and, that effect. And know. something, you know, that we've kind of been talking about is this is also the responsibility of a coach. Without a doubt. And and, and you were telling us earlier you have some stuff online to educate coaches. Yeah, you know, we've been doing live seminars, iterations of what we originally called like a level one like mm-hmm. you guys would have in CrossFit. And we, we renamed it Foundations. And it's really kind of reinforces a, a bunch of, you know, pillar principles things like unity and diversity when we're talking about crossfit and us from the outside is like, well it's very different I'm like no 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 just like you said if i can introduce clubs in a way that intru- it helps your snatch why would that be uh anything other right. than complementary so so being able to see how different things actually can 
amplify the effect of the things that we value most or uh, search for truth. So many of the conversations we might have in the fitness space, especially online, if, if you let people do the armchair thing, right? And you guys probably experience this. Stay, yeah. off, stay off those forms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like search for truth doesn't mean search for the truth. It means have some genuine curiosity and don't act like you know something you don't know. All this stuff about research-based negates the reality of phenomenology. Like you have to go through the process. You can think you understand something, but until you apply it and understand it in context of you and then start applying it in context of other people, you don't really know shit. Like, oh, I got this. Oh, really? Show me. Until you're, you're like, knowing is doing, right? And then to do, you have to be able to be at the variance, that outer edge of your current understanding. You have to be willing to stretch that to some degree. You then can deduce whether or not that thing on the perimeter has value in your core, right? But if you're so rigid, you, you really, like, there's a lot of awesome things. Why are we so busy negating the value of things that we don't understand, right? So these are just two of our pillar principles. There's a bunch of them. And, and those are the, the kind of the strategies we use to ask questions to either validate or invalidate in context what we're doing, mm -hmm. right? And so the, that core education kind of introduces mobility practices, fundamental body weight patterning, using ground-based uh, ground movement and closed-chain movement on the ground to amplify awareness and rotational restrictions or capacity activations, isometrics. And then we use things for regressive or progressive movement like suspension training, introducing sandbag as a, a, a dynamic variable load that's pretty safe. You mm -hmm. drop a bar on your head, it hurts. You right. drop a sandbag on your head, you might have a little kinky neck, but you're going to be okay. Great right. tool, too, that boxes cheap. Yeah. Cheap. I've got a bunch. Yeah. 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 I mean, you have a beach. Down it's the road, too, yeah. where you fill we're, up, we're right? not stealing the sand from the beach. And, 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 just and so the city knows. Anything. Just so the city knows. And that's something CrossFit has used. Yeah. I mean, 2008, whatever sandbags, you were talking about um, with uh, Jeremy the other day. Yeah, it's, uh, the sandbag sprint was yeah. the first kind of an introduction of that, and obviously that was a little bit different. But you know, that was like just carrying a load, just you know, straight locomotive, just to the top. But yeah. the um, w with regard to all of that, I kind of want to ask you about your role as this as the cfo here and because you were we were talking earlier and i balanced the books bro yeah no, <laughs> back there with the nerds yeah the uh no but the because we were talking about like one of your passions is, is the leadership aspect of it and i think you know like hearing your story i it very much makes sense but how and one of the things because one of the things a lot of myself included box owners struggle with is there a lot of their inability to grow their box is is what I would classify as a leadership deficiency. They are they're incapable or unwilling to lead. And I think a lot of it has to do with kind of what we're talking about now is like not open to ideas, not open to discussions, not being willing to have a coach challenge you on an idea that you are dogmatic about with regard to programming or how the box should be run or what you should do to intake your athletes. Um, what's been your biggest challenge? Because, I mean, this is a massive kind of team that you're that you're running here and and you guys ha and, and you have a significant amount of impact on all of those people to make sure that that message and that mindset and that culture gets dispersed downstream from you it's tough man you know we had different ideas about this originally but the current evolution is is reinforcing some of the other things i heard you talk about like one community right so like it's really hard when you go in and there's so many different paths without a core central theme right and so so we have in in the gym what we did is we kind of made sure now we have this 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 qualifying factor like uh you, you heard like legacy you know uh, 
that book it talked about like uh, the, all, the all blacks all blacks yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. everyone sweeps the shed mm-hmm. right I and love so that. like if you're part of the team then you you bleed for the team on some level right so everybody's involved in and bought into and and not only participatory but contributory and i think that's where you're hitting the nail on the head if there's room for contribution then you're never going to maintain a, a stable of talented people because they need to feel the impact of of their contributions they they need to have a voice right and how do you balance that within the systems mm-hmm. and that takes a lot of flexibility and awareness of when to give and take and and, and especially as a growing team so for us we have every trainer on our staff has a prerequisite minimum volume of the small group offering that we offer the whole community mm-hmm. on top of that they all have to be cross-trained at the front desk because it's not like the front desk just checks in people and then you, you're the important star. That's like, so you, annoying. We're like, yeah. I don't do that. And I'm like, well, then you don't do any of this. Exactly. Yeah. You don't, you don't, you're not in the right place, <laughs> right. you know, uh, because it's like uh, everybody, everybody can have their own job. But if the base is attacked, everybody's yeah. an infantry person. Yeah, Grab a exactly. rifle and you go, you go defend the, to- the fort, yeah. right? If you're not willing, then you're not, you don't have a spot here, you know? So th- those are just the minimum levels. In addition to that, we have uh, the trainers. Uh, workout time, you know, dead time in the day for us is about one thirty. So the work, the trainers will spend about two hours going through with the programming that they're collaboratively designing, you know, with the other people's input constantly two weeks ahead of when we're delivering it to the group so that we can tweak, modify, upload to, to the course delivery program or the, the programming mm-hmm. delivery service that we use. And then uh, on top of that, then we want to, continually provide education uh mentorship which i'm a big part of and a lot of that has to do with their brand within the brand and i think that's it's a really scary area to live in but if we don't give people an opportunity to define themselves within the team and and support that like we're the bridge of like okay every, this is what the parameters are and how you can do it without sacrificing your right. status here and i will support that if it is time to launch at some point in time, then I can continue to support that. And I think we, we have to have a healthier way to hand off when people grow into something that needs to be planted on their own and, mm-hmm. and make sure they don't feel like they weren't supported and that they feel justified in taking your share of what, you know, what they feel they've, you, you position them in a position of trust and mm-hmm. then they take a quarter of your community or a half of your community. And that's just been this kind of recurring issue in our industry that we, it makes us scared to invest in people. But I think for, for us, you know, it's always been a costly process and sometimes it still doesn't work out, but it's just one of those, uh, you got to pay to play. And if you're not developing people, your, your facility is never going to be as good as it can be. I think it's probably, it's mostly based in fear, right? That you're afraid if I let this person get too big or they develop their own program, then, then they're going to walk. And I would, and I've, I've had those feelings before. I mean, I, I don't think anybody's Who walking doesn't? around like, yeah. you know, be, with, with no insecurity whatsoever. But I've tried to do a lot of work to say, okay, well, what if we could prop them up and then that brings in more? And then if we can part ways, let, number one, let's do it amicably so that we can still have a relationship down the road. Yes. And then if that now become, if now, like on it is, I'm pretty sure, which is now becomes a launch pad for a lot of people, there's just a, a ton of people waiting to fill the spot. Mm-hmm. 
it's it's not a problem anymore. It's not like, well, I don't have a trainer anymore. And they're like, no, I've got like a half a dozen folks who are also awesome who are just waiting for that opportunity because they see this as a launch pad or they stay there forever. But it's 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 good for both parties. And Marcus and we talk about it all the time is like, you know, like instead of thinking it was like a win loss, like what would make this a win win for everybody, you know, create awesome trainers, create an awesome business. They give an awesome product to the clients. Well, I don't really know what else you would ask for outside of that. Well, you said leadership. I'm sorry. Uh, leadership, I think, is measured historically by how many followers someone has. Uh, that's the way that a lot of people internalize that. But I think, you know, just knowing Marcus and through his evolutions and what we're saying is uh, real leadership doesn't produce more followers. It produces leaders. leaders and yeah. and if you're afraid of that, then you're never going to manifest your potential as a leader. It's the Bill Parcells effect. Exactly. The number of head coaches that have come out in the NFL from Bill Parcells is nuts. And you have to celebrate that when it happens. It, it can be painful, but you have to be a big enough, you know, confident enough that it's your responsibility to keep your ship intact and, and to celebrate when somebody had been of service long enough that it's their time to go and do something meaningful that's truer to them. Who did we see at the gym that you guys were like, oh, is this person here? Primal Swolger. He's not an on it. Uh, employee in the per se he's his own brand but the same thing has happened where is he at he's at the on it gym why because his stars and ours are, are are aligned and we've been able to maintain that relationship Juan who we talked about uh, is been there before on it really was even on it and he's served in so many capacities he's built his own personal brand and he navigates those two realities like he doesn't absolve of them of his responsibilities but so long as those responsibilities are met, then it, there's a harmonious reality where he's drawing more attention to right. what we do collaboratively. And, and the outcome is that you end up, because you are creating leaders, you, aka A players, you attract more A players because you, you create the environment that is attractive to them. And like you said, is a, they can recognize as a potential springboard mm -hmm. to move them forward, which if as a business owner, my goal is to deliver the best product and experience possible. It's going to be by having the best staff yeah. possible, right? In this game, the coaches are the product. No one cares about the fancy paint and the barbells or what kind of flooring you have as much as how they feel, you know, as, as, a, as a person leaving. You could, how, many, how many successful gyms are there that look like shit because of, the, because of the coaching, right? And this is something we've talked about in our community so many times, but in order for that to grow and your impact to grow, you are going to want some help, yeah. right? And the best way to do it, you really exemplify because you've, you've done exactly that. You guys are a hit machine at on it from the, I mean, in multiple ways, but from the fitness standpoint, John, I got to give you credit, man. You've, you've absolutely killed it in that regard because you have cultivated winner after winner um, on a variety of different levels of people who move on to leadership and it just speaks to where who you are and the and the type of person that you show up as every day. Thank you, man. You know, but I, I have to be honest. And I want to like say something to qualify that. Like, I really am proud of the fact that so many people who've been on the journey with me in any capacity, almost like to a fault, most of them are in leadership roles in small or larger ways in other even comp competitive institutions and things like that. So, I think that's really good. But so much of it has been at the loss of these relationships. And I've learned through the process that the dynamic is, is about boundaries, like any good relationship, establishing those boundaries, but having this room, and it takes a lot of learning to navigate that. So if, if people are trying to, to figure out where that tipping point is of supporting 
and not expecting in return. There, there's definitely a need to balance those things. And, and don't look at them as just your responsibility as a professional or as a business owner, but like it is a reflection of how we show up to maintain all other relationships too. The, the, they have to be defined well as what the, the, the contracts are and the contracts can change, but, but it, man, I've, I have some of the biggest pain is that some of the people, cho- you know, like felt injured in the transition of that, that exit. And they, they, there, there is, they are who I always saw them to be the superstars that they were. They've, they've continued to grow and I'm happy about that. I just wish that some of those relationships were still healthy. Right. And I think we're doing better about that, but it is, is definitely a, a learning process. That's the, I mean, you took the words out of my mouth. It's, that's how you learn. Yeah. The only way to learn is to stretch yourself and to keep trying. And, and the only way that you know you're making progress is if you're making mistakes and actually getting to learn these lessons. There's going to be regrets or, or you know, uh, things that you wish may have gone differently because you loved that person. They, were, we had, you know, they worked together so great for five years, but then this thing happened. And even though that might be sad or disheartening to some, and, you know, I know that I was even in a place, you know, I mean, we all are at some point where you're afraid to do that because you don't, well, but he's like my star guy. And if I lose yeah. my star guy, then that's going to suck me back in. And that's going to take time away from my family again. I don't want to work that much. You, you have to be willing to put that on the line in order to have a chance at getting better at that and moving forward and making progress. Because without that risk and your, your desire to grow, you're never going to get there. Yeah, it's funny when we're talking about that. There's a full circle moment here for me as you're talking about that, that there's this difference between the qualitative and the quantitative. So as a business owner, you're, you're going to be managing those quantitative metrics. like, like CFO. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, or what's my net profit? Yeah, you, know, right. you, sold, you sold your gyms and you didn't even know. You know what I'm saying? Right. But it's okay because you had an intuitive sense. You were able to navigate that. It I like how he did his research. Did you read yeah. my book? Did uh, you read my book? I, I'm doing my research. Oh, I'll I'll you have a door stop. But... but <laughs> If all you're doing is, um, that could be a good validating component of the impact you have on a community because people stick around, they're voting with their dollars. But the reality is, you know, are you, what, is that the only product and is that the only measure? And I think that the, the integrity of like your investment in people and for their benefit, not just for the benefit of the machine, it, it brings that qualitative component back in that we're talking about balancing yeah. these two things and and that balance is not like a like we talk about like you be married father you know business owner it's like sometimes you're 65 percent heavy in an area that isn't necessarily the most important but it's what needs to be done right. now so that you can be a hundred percent for maybe a shorter period of time right. when you're with your family and not be it, so balance isn't this it is the dynamic reality of of seeing things in a macro and mm-hmm. seeing that there is a need sometimes to double down on the systems and the mechanical components of business. And there is a lot of time and a lot of worth in doubling, tripling, quadrupling down in the development of the people, people. that you rely on. Uh, you know, human capital and the relationships that we have are really the only thing that, that, that are, you know, the money can go away all of a sudden for a variety of reasons, but hopefully those relationships will still li- give us opportunities. To well, I think we're all probably up. the same. We're like, those are, it's not, those are all the things that saved me throughout my life. They weren't like the numbers, whatever. It's like somebody came along and was like, all right, dude, get up. Like it's time to keep moving. You know, that was, was like, that yeah. was me. Yeah. yeah. Was it when there was only when one, was only set, one, of one set, set of footsteps? footsteps. <laughs> That's when I carried Fern. 
Yeah. You only need one person to show up at the right time, right? Right. And that's it, it. It's usually not the person you think of either. But, but if yeah, he wasn't expecting this yeah. short little Jewish guy to <laughs> take him to the next level of his life. He's like, you're stronger than you look. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you could, you could, you could lift me. You know? You're taller than you look. And no, but you guys, uh, that's the thing is like, uh, I did a little bit of research, like you said. I read my book. Yeah, but you can uh, say it. You've been on it, on yeah. it now, selling best hour of their day on and, their website. And, and any anybody who who walks the path with this gentleman gets the benefit of the doubt for me because of the relationship that that we've built. This guy. This guy. Really? This guy. Yeah. And so. Um, Interesting. But, but like, just the vibe you guys put out. You know, I think. It is a stretch for a lot of the people within the community to hear what you're saying as what what you're actually saying because you know it's just easy to for them they're they're all in they're like pot committed on just part of the mm -hmm. whole you know and I just I, I really appreciated your guys' message in the limited amount I've been able to receive it so I just want to say you know thank you for coming out here and spending some time because it's like, been amazing you guys are like I'm like when are you coming back. Can we do uh, this again? Tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's go float. I don't know what's in that alpha brain, but I will be back uh, multiple times today. You know, and, and lastly, just to tie it back into CrossFit, in about 2009-10, a few of my coaches had left to open their own affiliates, and I was really angry about it. Yeah. And I remember speaking to Coach Glassman, and he was like, we don't care how many people come to your gym we actually track your success by how many of your coaches are leaving and opening their own affiliate. Exactly. And that was like a big eye opener to me. And you, know, you probably know, cause I did write about it in the book. Um, but I, you know, I had to, you know, kind of revive a friendship with one of my first coaches cause I did not handle it well. And, you know, going back to what you said, people may have left and a, you can always fix it. Right. You know that. Yeah. Um, but B, kind of just reframe the way that I handled it. And then going forward, more coaches left over the years. But I treated them, you know, as, as a success for me and, and helped them open their affiliate. And, it's, it, you know, and what's cool about it now is eight, nine, ten years later, seeing them still open and successful, yeah. even though there's no money coming into my pocket, it's not all about that, right? It's seeing them successful, seeing them live lives that I'm like, wow, if I hadn't opened Albany CrossFit, they, you know, just like if Coach Glassman hadn't started CrossFit, mm -hmm. like I wouldn't have gotten to where I was and, and now helping other people get to, you know, their pinnacle and uh, and helping them become the person they should be is, is really, that's what life is all about. We stand on the shoulders maybe of the giants, they maybe, say, right? Yeah, yeah, maybe the ketamine talking. <laughs> <laughs> it's fully in. I'm fully kicked in right now. But, uh, but Koya, you know. It's all yeah. love, baby. <clears throat> uh, so, John. You, you guys, as on it, have gone through a, a big evolution from, you know, running these seminars and these these uh, programs a lot in person. Uh -huh. And I know there's a big transition that you guys are excited about with a lot of these things now being available, not just in person, but pe for people online. What what all you guys have in the works? Yeah, you know, uh, so for seven years, I was delivering a series of these seminars. We had the foundation seminar, our durability restorative seminar, and a bunch of tool-specific seminars. We we're really, with everything going on, we went digital heavy. So right now, we, we just launched our core foundations certification course. Uh, it kind of touches a bunch of those modalities all at once and seeing kind of what we're talking about, how those things can complement each other. Like, do this and then do this one. You're like, oh, actually, I did the club variation, came back to body weight and made it better. That's weird. Right. Is it? Yeah. Uh, nope. So 
but bringing that that awareness and so that that course is uh you know self-paced and it's got a lot of uh, intentional experiential components to it and like reflective components so that's awesome and that's just getting off the ground we're really excited about that and kind of rebooting the opportunity to do live events but not in the way that we did and more like a like like a tribe gatherings after people have already gone through the education. Yeah, so we're yeah. not like having to teach it the first time, but like reinforce, do problem solving, case studies, things like that. And then having more dinners and hangouts and floating and ketamine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but on top of that, we have our series of like six week uh, home fitness courses that kind of dive into one of those deliverable modalities, whether it's like kettlebell, body weight, steel club, mace. Um, an interpretation of barbell training, I think, is really accessible for a lot of people. It wouldn't be right from an Olympic lifting standpoint, but that's not the goal. So just being able to contextualize the deliverable for anybody sees that from the CrossFit community, like, well, is, that is not the way to do it. Well, who are we doing it for? So, yeah. so that's really meant to be like uh, kind of zero to 60 with any of those tools. Just get to the point where you feel comfortable and you can coast down the freeway and enjoy the view. Um, and then we have a couple other digital offerings. But that's really what we're doing right now in addition to the gym. is And the gym will start offering a kind of like a virtual uh, gym membership where the programming is available. Okay. And, and then we talked about uh, for our gym programming is three days, 75 to 90 minute sessions. It's really comprehensive. And then what we do is we provide supplemental tracks. So like if somebody's like a conditioning machine, a fire breather, you know, then they're two, they're Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday assignments might be very Metcon heavy, right? But low threshold in terms of load, so that they can it doesn't deplete them, right? You know, neurologically, you're allowing people to train to a bias that they want, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or if people are injured, then we'll have a durability track, and that might even kind of go into like a shoulder focus, hip focus, whatever the the ailing component, and address those specific areas of need, so that they're they're in the habit of investing in themselves and returning on that investment every day to some point like Sundays are generally like play day like just go do something that you enjoy right you could do more training but like I, I want to promote like the application of it you know like go play basketball go yeah. go for a swim yeah. learn and regularly play new sports yeah interesting mm -hmm. and that's and that's kind of those are like the suite of things that we offer right now and and I think that's really kind of our stable we have this kind of ascension model where people could get in as low as 10 bucks go to all, all the way up the mountain to the, the certification course and we got a lot of people who do the courses that have no interest in coaching, but they just want to have a framework that supports what it, what they need and, and sure. even like a framework that supports them asking the right questions to figure out what they need, you know, or want. Where, where would somebody start? A lot of times with the six-week program, programmatic offering, you know, a lot of people are like, well, I just want to learn to use this kettlebell or I have this kettlebell and it's sitting over here. Let me try this program. And it, it it kind of folds in a lot of the restorative components in a balance, right? And so, so it teaches in a six-week, I'm sorry, six-week, six days a week kind of pre-programmed offering, you know, how to utilize that within our kind of like our framework, right? And there's a lot of flexibility within it, and we offer a lot of community support. A lot of times, three times a year, we'll do what we call like the On at Six Challenge. And so uh, rather than like a traditional weight loss challenge where people are like, here's my picture before and here's my picture after like we still have people do that but it's really more about like hey how do you articulate how what we've done we talked about enhancing the other 23 hours mm -hmm. a day how is it that you can articulate the difference that all of these complementary 
experiences and even the, the mindset components affected how you perceive yourself, how other people in your home perceive you, receive you, and that you can be of service? And how does that cascade out from there into your community? Is it, because you know, it's amazing. And I know we, all of our members or friends have, have seen this where they don't see themselves as a leader, they're in action, and all of a sudden people are asking them how to get on the path, mm -hmm. you know? And so it, I would really, just as you said, and as, as you said, Jason, is like, um, I want people to see themselves as leaders and they need a framework to see, even see that. So like when, they, when they're in action, that's one of our pillar principles, action is leadership, you know, then you're already leading, even if you're just leading one, you know, self-leadership. But it's amazing when people take the time to realize like, my family started eating healthier. My family, my kids are wanting to work out with me. My kid knows who John Wolf is or whatever. You know, it's right. funny. You're like, yeah. I, that was like, man, you know, I remember this, this little girl was like, John Wolf's always telling everybody what to do. How come he doesn't do the workout? <laughs> so I did a live and I did the workout and I was talking the whole time between sets, huffing and puffing, but it was an imam and it was a, a we'll do it like the variation of imam that I'm talking about. Okay. So you guys could feel it is a little different, but it's, is, it, I think that little girl, she was like nine. She got such a kick out of it because I, you know, it was yeah. dedicated to her. Like, oh, you called me out. I have to do, <laughs> do it. I have to do. Let's go, little thing. girl. Yeah. For the record, I only like to compete against little girls, too. I mean, <laughs> so I, I, she, I think she was in gymnastics. So I think she probably could have kicked my ass. Do you have a six-week <laughs> six uh, club one on there? Yeah, yeah. Still I'm going to do that. I want to do that. I want to learn a little more about the clubs and, uh, you know, put it out there to, to the people that check us out also because if they see that we do it and make improvements in our CrossFit – I think that'll that'll motivate them to check it out. And I'll tell you, just having seen John, how he does his thing and what he does, and these courses and or these seminars, the programs are badass. Oh, that's like you the way leading he it. Yeah. The way that he oh, teaches everything see is John more. <laughs> oh yeah, top shelf. <laughs> I mean, well. I might use it outside of the workouts too, John. If <laughs> yeah. you know, what hey, hey, hey. Can I know. see it on my iPad? You can. All right, honey. What's the, why are you bringing your iPad into the bedroom? <laughs> Go, go watch, go watch Madison, baby. Go watch Madison. I mean, I'll be flattered. What can yeah, I say? You, you know, in this day and mad. age, you know, mad. spank bank yeah. for John. Well, <laughs> just professionally, personally, you've been just a, an amazing host. Like letting us come in your house and see all this stuff, and it's uh, it's inspiring, man. Like walking around the offices back there, the gym, and everything. I'm gonna go back and basically burn my gym to the ground and build it over and try to be like, you know, replicate that. But dude, this has been amazing. On it, on yeah. it east. Yeah. So, uh, um, but no, it's uh. This is the cool part about what we get to do, and then the even cooler part of that is get to share it with everybody else to, 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 so that that ripple goes further, you know, so thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'd love to, you know, bridge the gap between what we do and the greater CrossFit community. So, you know, I know everybody's in different phases of, of or sees themselves in different ways within the CrossFit community. So if if you or you or you or anybody else is, is open to it, just know as a brand, as a company, as an institution, as a gym, and me, like, we're all open and receptive to whenever you want to show up and play, you know? I so. love it. And, and you said it starts by reading best hour of their day. <laughs> every day. Every, every day. day. Oh, it is, it is, it is <laughs> small like enough that you can read it every that's, day. That's the, the second edition. <laughs> best hour of their day, every day. Yeah. Um, and, again, thanks again to uh, Kuya for hosting yeah, us. Yeah, this place is amazing. Incredible oh, yeah. facility. Guys, look it up. We got the tour, and we're going to share some of it in um, either the – before yeah. the show, after the show, yeah. somehow, um, where we actually got a tour from John and then the founder Gunter. here, Gunter, as well, of this really, really special concept that is 
I think really the future of wellness for mm-hmm. for Agreed. humankind for that matter. Because and the fact that you guys are next door to this place is does not surprise me because what you guys do I think is is cutting edge. Um, not just from like technically speaking, but how you guys deliver it. The whole thing I think is very special. And then you were like, Oh, let's go next door and check out this rad place. I'm like, what is this? Uh-huh. We need and get the tour of this like magical place next door. And of course it's next door. You guys are going to be, um, you guys are doing some important work here. So yeah, it's an exciting time. And thanks for know. introducing us to yeah. this and for yeah. the time and for everything is always John. I've never seen Fern happy. That's his happy face, by the way. And I think it's the the energy in here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's it. That was a good wrap wrap up. Marcus wrapped it up. All right, cool. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Boom. Yep. One more. Thanks, John. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Best Hour of Their Day podcast. We appreciate you listening and choosing to have us help you in your passion for coaching and affiliate ownership. You can find more episodes just like this on all podcast platforms. If you're interested in learning more, you can reach out to us on any social media platforms, or you can visit www.besthouroftheirday.com to book a call. If you found this episode helpful for you, please share it so that we can help other coaches and affiliate owners to help build a bigger and stronger CrossFit community. Thanks for listening.